0: Welcome to the Lost Boys to Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabe O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host, Will Haycox. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Welcome, Will. Welcome, Gabe. So, one of things that Will and I wanted to discuss was, like, what if a tragedy happens again? We unfortunately both had suffered the loss of of kids, and as we moved towards having more children, uh, something that was in the back of our minds, we just couldn't help it, was what if, you know, what if something like this happened again? And certainly we kind of experienced a uh, rough patch when our daughter Avery was born, Uh, and again, if you haven't listened to the first four podcasts, this being episode five, make sure you go back and catch up so you'll kind of know where we're coming from um, when Avery was born, uh, she had to stay in a special care nursery for a while. She was having some breathing and lung issues. And so we were obviously kind of nervous about that. And, and just recently we've had some challenging, but uh, amazingly blessed times, uh, that Will and his family have had. And so I'm going to turn it over to Will and he's going to, he's going to run with it.
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, so what you talked about, Gabe, it's uh, kind of something in the back of your mind. I imagine for every guy that uh, that goes through the loss of a child, that you obviously want children, and you know, just your your human nature, you're going to be concerned about things. When whenever you do get pregnant again, or you're trying to get pregnant again, what could happen, and and how are you going to respond to this if it does happen again? And uh, as we talked about already, our son Gabriel Haycox was born. Uh, to, september 30th 2019 and we uh i think we recorded the first episode for the podcast in early december 2020 and we were planning on getting the second episode recorded early january and kind of getting things rolling along there and my wife and i were expecting our little girl and she was born december 30th 2020 and uh obviously that's what's delayed us a little while in uh in getting these episodes out on the schedule we wanted to and she was born uh, at home. Everything was great. That was our plan: was to have a, a midwife birth at home. And the birth itself was great. Everything went as planned. There were no signs of any problems. Uh, it was it was a beautiful experience and something I know that my wife and I will always treasure. Pretty quickly after she was born, though, we started to notice some issues, she wasn't uh, wasn't eating really at all, um, she wasn't eliminating at all, and something that we, we kind of got more and more concerned about uh, as the day went on, she was born early in the morning, and things just kind of kept going away from the direction that we were hoping they were going to go, and uh, at one point she started kind of spitting up some stuff that people shouldn't be spitting up. And we got in touch with a, a doctor and he kind of told us, you know, watch it and, you know, see how things go through the night and because she was spitting up, we were afraid of going to sleep because we didn't want her to, to choke and so my wife and I kind of tag-teamed that first night trying to make sure we were awake with her to make sure she was okay and the labor had started at about 3 in the morning that day and so we were both absolutely exhausted. And The midwife came back for a 24-hour checkup the next morning. Uh, She was born 8.47 a.m. and She came back the next morning, and things still weren't going well. Uh, She was still spitting up and, and not eating anything. Still hadn't eliminated anything, and so got to be kind of a concern. We talked to our pediatrician again, and he told us, you know, there might be something wrong in her stomach. Probably not a big deal. You know, I've seen... tons of patients that seem to have these issues when they are first born. And I've sent hundreds of them to the hospital and they all get a x-ray and things are good. They're just a little backed up. So just go get that checked on just for your peace of mind. But you know, you should be in and out and it shouldn't be a huge deal. Well, we go to where we're, we are here in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and we go over to a hospital in Greenville, South Carolina, because they have a pediatric Area pediatric floor um, and surgeons dedicated specifically to children that our, our local hospital does not have. So we went over there, and it was a probably a forty-five minute drive. And Hannah and I were exhausted. We were confused about you know why is this happening to us again? We we lost our son unexpectedly, and now we went through another pretty much uneventful pregnancy and things had gone well up until the day she was born and we had these concerns and so we were just kind of trying to get to the hospital we were praying with each other and silently on the way there um, so we finally get there and, and tell them what's going on they get us into an ER room and after a short wait they get us into the uh, the room where they check make sure she's stable and I, I guess it's kind of like a trauma center and they make sure everything's good and the doctors swarm her. They were probably between 8 and 10, 11, 12 doctors in there at one time. And they were, they were stabilizing her, but it was kind of, even though, like, nothing huge was happening right then, it was concerning because any time you see, obviously you don't ever want your child in the hospital, but if she is and you see 10 doctors around her, you're like, oh, no, they must think this is serious to... To dedicate this many resources to her to make sure she's okay, so they got her stabilized. They did several X-rays and and MRIs and things like that, and they said they diagnosed the problem and it's a a serious problem. It's uh, it's called ileal atresia, which meant that part of her uh, intestines called the ileum and it had a separation from the upper part of her intestine to the lower part of her intestine and no food or was ever able to pass through and so it was kind of backing up back into her stomach and she was spitting out like stomach acid and and things like that and was obviously hurting her stomach hurting her throat and it was just a bad situation clearly you you can't live long with that going on so you're not getting the nutrients you need and your, your body's just not able to process food and so we kind of went from being at home things being being crazy, but we're so glad she's there to back at the hospital. Another serious thing laid on us that we weren't expecting. Um, and they pretty quickly rushed us to surgery. Um, we met the doctors, we signed some papers. And they, right before surgery, they bring up, uh, as we've talked about earlier, this is 2020 here, it was, it was 12, 31, 20. And if you're alive at this time, you know all of the COVID craziness that's been going on for the past year plus, it seems like it's been a decade. Um, but they went over the policy with us that only one parent is allowed to stay. And um, they kind of said, you know, through, initially they wanted one of us to leave right then. And I kind of discussed that with them a little bit, forcefully and told them, you know what, doesn't, that doesn't work for us. My wife just had a baby and i'm not going to leave her here and she's obviously not going to leave her baby right when she's about to go into surgery and so we we talked about that for a bit and thankfully they were able to give us a, a reprieve for that night and the next night when uh when things were still kind of crazy so we go to a waiting room while she's in surgery we sit there for probably an hour and a half and we were still just exhausted we didn't really know What to expect? They said, you know, this was—it's not a routine surgery. It's—it is serious, but it's something that they do relatively frequently, unfortunately, and they don't expect any problems. But anytime you do major surgery, there could be some complications. So we're texting our friends. Our our family already knew about this, but we're we're texting our friends and our our church and asking them for prayer, asking that they would pray that there are no more complications, that she would come out, she'd be healthy. Um, that was a, a tough time just sitting there, kind of resigned to the fact that there wasn't a lot that, that Hannah and I could do, but also feeling that same helplessness we felt. Gabriel, like, you know, this is in the Lord's hands now, and we just have to, to trust him. And so the, the doctor comes out about for about an hour and a half, explains more about the issue that she had and how they fixed it, said she's okay, she needs to stay in the hospital until she's able to heal up, eat and eliminate on her own. So we go to the PICU the, the pediatric ICU and we, we see her again and she's on a breathing tube and that was kind of a, a shock to see your child kind of trussed up that way and just something else breathing for because she was on the anesthesia and uh, she looks fine but again she was, she was born six pounds four ounces she's tiny and she's on this anesthesia. So she's just like totally unresponsive. So that was concerning, even though we knew she was doing well at that point. So the first few days we were in the PICU were pretty tough. Um, That we were kind of coming up on the time where one of us had to leave and they were about to take out the breathing tube the next day and she struggled with that. She had some other complications as far as her breathing uh, and the surgery. So we were, we were just kind of touch and go there for a little while that the doctors did have to come in three, four or five times and turn on the, she had the cannula on her nose, giving her some oxygen, but there were times where they had to come in and actually put the oxygen mask over her face and resuscitate her. And we were sitting there watching the monitors, making sure her, her blood oxygen level didn't go down and things like that. And so it was, we really didn't rest uh, and didn't, didn't really feel like we were out of the woods until probably three or four days after the surgery when
0: when she leveled off a little bit so so now were you like totally freaking out during this time or were you did you have any sense of peace I mean what what were you, like what was going on mm-hmm. with, with y'all yeah um, it was something
1: that I think like we talked about last time we got together and recorded there was that that shock initially where you you obviously weren't expecting this and you come in and it's all thrown on you at once but we we haven't gone through this with gabriel and having a year plus to look back on it and having walked through that with each other and with our friends and especially with the lord and the way that he brought us peace and comfort i think we kind of we knew we weren't in control but we knew who was in control and we knew that no matter what happened you know he would comfort us through something happening to Bonnie and, and not being able to have her here like we, we were not able to have Gabriel or if she was okay and she made it that we would be able to trust him through whatever healing process there was and whatever um recovery looks like and you know how that may or may not have complicated our life uh, over the next weeks and months and so I think there is that part of me that did have the adrenaline come in like we talked about last time but it was more of a controlled chaos I guess um, where obviously it's not something we were expecting but we knew who was in control this time and and were clearly concerned not not saying at all we were we were just able to sit back and meditate and and praise the Lord and sing praise songs and everything was great and, and pretty we were we were afraid there were tears uh, we were Hannah and I did sit there you know say what's what is it with us and children you know why why do we have to to go through this every time but thankfully this was a different situation than Gabriel and and the issue that she had was something that she was able to make it through in the womb without any problems the way she was being fed and just that the doctor our pediatrician that that recommended we go to the hospital was smart enough to know what was going on and get us there and then the expertise of the doctors at our at the hospital there they were just able to get in get out and do what needed to be done and uh, go ahead So I was going to
0: say I just think that's an important a couple of important things that you brought up was like, number one, even though you had comfort of the Lord, you knew he was in control, you still had emotions like, mm-hmm. you know, fear, like doubt, like discouragement even, you know, like questions. And and so for those that are listening that may not have a relationship with Jesus and you don't even know what that means or what that looks like, like what what we're saying is that when you're going through difficult times, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to be like, stoic and have you know zero emotions or that you're going to be able to you know it's not like you're having to put on a front I mean there's there's doubt there's there's discouragement there's um you know there's fear but we still have that underlying capacity to realize okay I'm a child of the king God's got this and he's going to take care of me he's going to take care of my family uh no matter what we're going through and that's so it's not that you're like immune from suffering. It's like you're immune from having those emotions, but but we we know who's in control, and that gives us that gives us comfort. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like when you were, a, um, I don't know. I, this is probably a terrible example, but I think about when you know when you're a kid and you're like, there's a thunderstorm or whatever, and then you're like scared about it, and you cover up your head with your blanket, like. You still kind of scared, but like you still get you got that covering that gives you a little bit more comfort for whatever reasons. Like even though we're going through difficult times and you might be scared or fearful, we have that covering of the presence of the Lord and His comfort within us that's giving us peace. And that's kind of what you're saying right there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, man. It's uh, it's it's never something you look forward to when you when you go through suffering or just a crazy experience like that. But certainly, like you said, having a relationship with the Lord is something that can pull you through it when you've reached your ending and there's nothing else you can do, you can rely on him. And that's kind of where where our story with Bonnie in the hospital ends, is that after three or four or five days, she was able to get out of the PICU and we got onto the general pediatric floor. She began the recovery process and we'd have a couple of setbacks just as far as like her intestines waking up and doing what they need to do. Um, to get her to be able to eat and process milk on her own but we finally got her on the right path and she started gaining weight and she was able to get out of the hospital on uh, January 21st of this year 2021 and so she was in the hospital just under a month and it was certainly tough it's not something that we enjoyed uh, with, with the COVID protocol my wife and I had to switch out every 24 hours or so they were a little bit lax with letting us spend a little bit of time with each other but we had to switch off like we had like an hour maybe two hours we could spend with each other when we switched and so that was emotionally draining and I think it was spiritually draining because we weren't really able to encourage each other too much other than talking on the phone multiple times a day and asking how Bonnie's doing and when she had a rough day being able to encourage the other one and so I think that kind of was something that was thrown in that, that made everything more difficult, but, and, and that, that's something too, that, you know, just not to touch on this whole subject, but there are a lot of other people still with all this going on that are in the hospital alone and people, elderly people in hospice homes or other nursing uh, facilities that they're not able to spend any time with anyone. And I think having a relationship with the Lord is something that can carry you through those tough times and can bring you encouragement and bring you peace and comfort when you're isolated from the rest of the world. And, and obviously that's never ideal. I don't think anyone would say it's, it's an ideal situation for one parent of a child that's going through something like this is able to be here while the other one's not. And I don't think anyone would say it's ideal for, for older people to be locked in nursing homes by themselves. But I think when, when everything is going wrong from our perspective, from our human perspective, the Lord's still in control, and having a relationship with Him and being able to rely on Him through these unforeseen circumstances is something that really is more powerful and and more comforting than anything else that we could experience. And so, I think that was something that, having gone through the loss of Gabriel, um, Hannah and I kind of knew. We kind of knew the story, you know. It was something that when we, when we lost our son, it was the worst thing we'd ever been through at the time. And um, we didn't really know where to go from there. We had a relationship with the Lord like we'd already talked about in, the, in prior podcasts. But once we saw, we, we had that assurance that we lost our son, we didn't know what to do with it. We didn't know how to, to help each other, how to help ourselves. But... We had that relationship with the Lord and by relying on Him, He gave us His peace and His comfort and He built us up and allowed us to build each other up. We knew that that was something that could happen again with Bonnie and something that I had prayed about and really still try to pray. The whole time from the beginning of trying to get pregnant again after we lost Gabriel Hannah and I had those fears and concerns that I think anyone would after a miscarriage or an infant loss of any sort. And I just tried to be intentional about praying that the Lord would help me to trust him and to have faith in him that was strong enough that even if our next child, this was long before we even got pregnant with Bonnie, even if our next child was not going to be able to be here with us and we we had another problem like we did with Gabriel where we got full term and then we lost her that I would be able to trust him and remember that he was faithful the first time and he'll be faithful again. And if, if something terrible happens to me as I come out the door, you know, whatever calamity could strike, I think having that assurance of faith is something that no one can take from you. And if you can trust the Lord like that, it's, it's not an easy thing. I'm not saying like have this faith and, Nothing can hurt you, and you, you'll go through life and be great. Like Gabe talked about earlier, you're still going to feel pain. You're still going to experience loss, and you're going to experience hurt. But if you pray and you try to reach a place where you trust God enough that no matter what happens, you know he's in control and his plan is greater than your plan, I think that's something that can take a lot of your fears and concerns off of your shoulders and place them on, someone that's much stronger than you that can can handle anything that's going on so i uh i wanted to to share with you a verse uh, first peter five six through seven it says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you and i think that's something that it sounds easy you cast all your anxieties on him Don't, don't don't have anxiety don't have depression don't deal with this and that's not something that we can do as humans we can't just turn our brain chemical imbalance off and suddenly have no fears but I think what that means to me is make a practice of each day turning over your fears and your worries and all your anxieties and you can't wake up in the morning and say I'm not going to be afraid today I'm not going to have anxiety today but you can wake up in the morning and when that first anxiety hits you when you step out of bed stop and say lord you are greater than this anxiety you're greater than this fear that i'm not going to get the promotion at work that whatever some rational some irrational thing and you're greater than losing another child and if that's something that is allowed to happen to us again i choose to trust you and i think that's a practice that may not be as easy as it sounds i'm sure it's not as easy as it sounds and it wasn't easy for me it wasn't easy for hannah to get to but that's something that through choosing to give him those fears and to let him carry us through that we have been freed from that crippling anxiety where we we still have fears but we're able to move forward because we know that the lord is capable of carrying us through it no matter what happens and that we can put one foot in front of the other and, and he
0: will help us
1: through anything.
0: I love that, man. I love that. It, you know, I'm sitting here at my desk and I just noticed this verse that I've got over here. It's Jeremiah 17, seven through eight. And it said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord it said he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for it. Its leaves remain green, and it isn't anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's Jeremiah seventeen seven through eight. And that, you know, that first part there says, "Blessed a man whose trust is is in the Lord," and that's what you're saying right there, man. Is you're like, hey, even when life is going crazy and we don't know what's coming down the pike, our trust is not in circumstances. You know, our trust is in the Lord. And that's what gives us that hope to keep going mm-hmm. uh, and to put one foot in front of the other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you, know, if you talk about trust and you talk about trying to fight against those anxieties and not let them rule your life. I think to me, uh, John fourteen twenty seven is something that really stands out where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid and I think that's something that you know knowing the larger context of the Bible and knowing what's about to happen like Jesus is preparing his disciples that hey I've been here with you for three years and my time is coming I'm gonna be raised up and crucified I'm gonna be dead I'm gonna be gone and there's gonna be three days that you're gonna feel like your world is crashing down around you because you don't really believe yet. You don't, you don't trust that I am who I've said I am, but I'll come back and you'll see the fulfillment of prophecy, the fulfillment of scripture and me being resurrected. And then I'm going to go to heaven and you'll probably again, feel a little bit freaked out that, Oh no, he did. He did what he wanted to do and what he promised he would do, but then he left us. But Jesus gave us that peace. He gave his disciples that peace through the Holy spirit. And I think that's something that we need to try to rest in that peace and don't let yourself focus everything on these anxieties. And I, uh, I actually posted something on the podcast just a couple of days ago. Talks about setting it your on mind. our social media. Yeah. I posted yeah. It on the social media. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and it's something that talks about if you trust the Lord, you set your minds on things of the spirit. You don't set your minds on things of the flesh. And I, I tried to explain there that setting your mind kind of insinuates that you're choosing you're you're sitting there you're resting in whatever and if you're you're resting in things the flesh you're resting in these these same fears you know what if it does happen again you know am I ever going to be able to have a child is what what if every single time I get pregnant my wife and I go through this and we lose another child at 39 weeks, at 20 weeks, at whatever, at 41 weeks, and you accept all that, you internalize all of that hurt and all those anxieties, and not to mention the the stress and what it does to a pregnant woman's body, if, if you and your wife rest in that for nine months, you're not trusting the Lord, you're, you're setting your mind on things of the flesh, you're setting your mind on the fears of the flesh, and I think while it's certainly understandable and right that you have those fears because you care about this child and you care about raising a family choosing to set your mind on things of the spirit means you're sitting there and you're feeling these things but at the same time you're trying to stop yourself and saying Lord carry me through this you know I I can't handle this myself I'm terrified if this happens again I don't know what I'd do You know, I've, I've got some friends I've talked to that have had multiple miscarriages and I can't imagine what that's like as a woman to have to go through one, two, three or more miscarriages and to feel like what is wrong with my body? you know why can't I do what I was designed to do and that's, that's something I'll never be able to experience or know how it feels because I'm a man, but even in that circumstance, the Lord is in control, and the Lord can give you peace, and the Lord can bring healing to your body, and he may not and and whatever. Your situation is and however that turns out, trusting him will just lift a burden off of you that you can't carry by yourself. You can't carry that hurt. And so I think that's something that, again, it's, I'm not saying recite this verse or, or have this thought and things are good and your life is normal and you don't have any hurt. I'm saying you're going to have to work at this every day. It's a It's a hard thing. To trust the lord it's not something that you can roll out of bed and you're good and you've you got your faith level up to 10 and things are easy now like it's every day you might have to start down at faith level of two or faith level of four and you have to sit there and you have to pray and you have to read your bible as we talked about last time the importance of reading the bible and knowing the lord i think that's something that to me really changed my perspective of the lord and and just my perspective of of life in general and I, I keep going back to this verse. It's, it's something that really stood out to me in our, our journey with Gabriel. But 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 especially, but the entire passage is 1, 3 through 3-7. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And that's Paul's writing that to the Corinthians, and he's talking about the suffering and the persecution they're going through. But I think that's true for us and something that as we go through discomfort, as we go through afflictions, the Lord comforts us. He's the God of all comfort, it says there in verse three. And if we're afflicted, it's for Christ's glory. It's to point out how we are different because we trust him and he will carry us through whatever it is and Verse 9 of that same passage, 2 Corinthians 1, nine says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I think that's, that's a truth to me that just hits home that we can't rely on ourselves. We can't rely on ourselves when we get in a car crash and you have to deal with insurance, and you can't rely on yourself when your child dies or you're afraid that your next child may die we can only rely on the one who raises the dead and that's God
0: man that's awesome Will and I think that's a great like kind of ending point for this episode where 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 you have discussed how do we overcome the anxiety of thinking that what if what if something bad happens again and you know you you laid out a few things you said we we understand God's in control we have peace in Jesus because Jesus said that He would be our peace, and we realize that He is the God of all comfort. And how can how can we believe in that? And because man, He He's the one that raises the dead. Like you yeah. said, He is in control of, of all life, and and I would say also we have to understand that, you know, th- we also. Um, have purpose like our suffering actually has purpose and that's what that scripture was you just read where we are comforted in our time of need so that way we can then be a comfort to others and so we want you guys to understand that what you're going through is not on it's not an accident it may not be pleasant but it has purpose so remember that like you have the opportunity to move forward in this and to be a comfort to somebody else down the road and so so take comfort in, in that and be strong in that. Thank
1: you, Gabe. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure you follow Lost Boys to Found Fathers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can check out Gabe's book at thywillbedonebook.com. Thanks, house.